Phase World Podcast helps independent creators live their creative and financial freedom. I'm your host, Fei Wu, and I'll be taking you through a series of interviews with creators from around the world who are living life on their own terms. Each episode is packed with tactics, nuggets you can implement, origin stories to make listening productive and enjoyable. We're not only focused on the more aspirational stories, but relatable ones as well. We also have non-interview-based mini-series releasing throughout the year to help deep dive into topics such as freelancing, marketing, even indie filmmaking that will benefit creators like you. Show notes, links, and ways to connect with the guests are available on phaseworld.com. Now, on to the show. We are live. Hey guys, this is Faye from Phase World Media. I haven't gone live in a little while now, but I am super, super thrilled to be here with my new friend, Randy Lau, who runs Made with Lau on YouTube. It's a, a really, it's getting to be a pretty big YouTube channel now, over 10,000 subscribers, 14,000 in, you know, I think you guys had like more than 10,000 fans, subscribers in less than three months. And the channel is just going to keep growing. Uh, they're also on Instagram, uh, getting a lot of traction there. Um, made by Lao everywhere. Um, made with Lao. Sorry. Made with Lao. Made with Lao. And um, so, Randy, welcome to Facebook. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. And um, so tell us about Made with Lao. Well, you know, what what is this channel about? I'm going to pretend that I'm so new to it, but I'm not. I've been watching all the recipes. So tell us about the channel, kind of your original creative idea and what triggered all of this to happen. Yeah. So in a nutshell, it is a Chinese family recipe blog and YouTube channel. And we basically document my dad's Chinese cooking. He's been a chef for 50 years. And then after the format of each video, we, we show a recipe and then we have a conversation as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a mix of like, like a cooking show, like mukbang. And then there's a lot of like, uh, I, I like to include a lot of like historical, cultural, personal elements. So it's just like a lot of layers on top of just the recipe. Um, yeah, that's a bit, that's essentially it. And, uh, it's just trying to document our heritage, my celebrate my parents and their legacy and just have something to pass on to, uh, my son one day and our future kids and to share with like, just share with the the world. I think it's a lot to be celebrated. Mm, Yeah. And I think you're, you know, I feel like you're such a humble person already because these videos, let me clarify. Uh, I, first of all, I'm not about getting fancy camera and you have to be, you know, a thousand percent sure and all of that. But your videos are very, very high quality. That's the first thing I notice that it's so professionally done. So I immediately realize that I'm talking to and dealing with a filmmaker and, and you know, a marketer, uh, someone who really knows how to market a new piece of content and to give my audience a quick idea because I don't want you guys to like, I'm sure most of you guys have already left to stop watching this interview and just went right to the channel. Um, there's a lot of very, very yummy recipes. They're so well done. I mean, there are recipes on, online on their website, also made with Lao, um, and 
you can actually look at all the measurements and all these, you know, beautiful pictures, step-by-step. Step. The user experience is just incredible. So you got to tell me, like, where did you gain these skills from? Are you a filmmaker? Tell us a bit more about your background. Yeah. I think my career, my career's had a lot of twists and turns. So I think, like, just lightning. I was studied engineering at UCLA, um, electrical engineering, and then I which has nothing to do with what I do now. But uh, and then along the way, I learned how to program. Mm -hmm. uh, I did like a lot of iPhone apps and startups of my own. Like the past six years, I, the past six years I've been self-employed. Mm -hmm. um, so like in that span, I've done a lot of like three, two or three tech startups. And then we, my wife and I started a, digital marketing consulting business. We didn't market it too much, but we helped small businesses establish an online presence. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of like, we were like full service. So we did like video, social media, websites, um, like email sales, just like every SEO, like a lot of everything you need to like establish a presence online. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned a lot of skills doing that. And then we filmed, I started dabbling in video like as a very serious hobby like four years ago. So like we, I did a handful of commercial stuff. Um, four years ago? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But then, um, yeah, after I, I kind of like burned out from one startup and then I was like, I just want to explore video. I actually started like using, playing with a camera like more seriously, like 10 years ago, like with just photography. And I interned for like a wedding photographer, which basically meant like, I just watched his stuff while he goes and shoots the wedding. But I learned a lot watching him and he taught me a lot. So I think I got a lot of basics from him. His name is Eric, Eric Chen, E-R-I-C-H Chen. He's a, he's super talented and he's, he's still, uh, he's still a wedding photographer. Uh, but yeah, I learned a lot from him about just cameras. And then uh, and then four years ago, I was like, I'm going to film a video every single day. So um, just like, just not for like clout or to build a huge following, but just on my personal Instagram, I edited and shared a video like every, for three and a half years. So every single day, mm -hmm. I didn't miss one. So I think I, I gained a lot of skills doing that. Just like, just, all these pieces kind of fit together to like contribute to everything we're doing on YouTube now mm. with our blog. So, But you know, I think it's, it's fascinating that I, when I talk to creators, I hear this type of stories a lot, but yours obviously is very unique to your experience. Um, but I often hear people who are successful on YouTube uh, often either their first channel wasn't very successful or they felt it was such a mess. They had no idea what they were doing or they tell you, oh, look at this channel that's growing really rapidly right now, but had all these failed projects. I had no idea what I was doing prior to that where I, I kind of dipped my toe in, into many, many different things. Yeah. My kind of my origin story as well. Most people around us are like, like Randy, Faye, what, do, what are you guys doing? What is that you want to do? You seem to be interested in too many things. Like, did you at one point question yourself to say, all right, let me put on my blinders now. Let me get really, really, really good at one thing and, and not be distracted by other things. Like, what was that journey for you like? 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I think I, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to, um, I think like every year or two, I had like brackets of my life where I really tried to be focused on one thing. Um, and for a lot of that, that was like a tech startup. Like I wanted, I, I think it's not off the cards, but I, I, I wanted to like build something at the level of like Airbnb, like mm. something that's so impactful that like millions of people use mm-hmm. that impacts culture in a positive way. And I think, I think like, for a while, like my passion for video was kind of like budding, but I just kind of like ignored it or suppressed it as a way that, you know, I could have an impact on culture in a positive way that touches millions of people. So um, it was only very recently that I kind of leaned into like YouTube as a thing that I could be really good at, you know? Um, So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's like... Yeah, yeah. recently. I mean, uh, I, I try to guess, I, you know, what you've gra- you graduated around 2010, if I'm correct? Yes. Okay. So Good math. People, yeah, yeah. I, I did look you up on uh, LinkedIn <laughs> to kind of give people yeah. an idea of, you know, our age and, you know, what where you are um, on your journey right now. It's interesting. We started talking about YouTube, guys, but I definitely want to get into culture, origin stories, and um, you know, entrepreneurship and all that. But uh, I did, by the way, tell the subtle Asian YouTuber network about yeah, this conversation. I know. I'm so excited. A lot of people are like, I'm having lunch right now. I'm so excited. Oh, lunch. I guess lunch in California. Um, that <laughs> <laughs> Not so much where I am right now. Um, but people are excited because isn't that an exciting space? I mean, whether it's the Asian subtle YouTubers or like new YouTuber networks, I watch the videos people create. I get so excited. I watch my baby, you know, my, I have a cousin who's, I think of her a little baby. She's 25 now. She just started her own YouTube channel. Makes me so thrilled to see her progress through all that. But I know deep down, it doesn't matter how cool our videos look. There's so much, guys, there's so much, sweat, tears, and and pain, self-doubts that go into every single video because not a single video we've ever produced is what we consider as perfect. Or sometimes just good enough. Sometimes it's like not good enough uh, to us. So uh, I guess for you, Randy, what what is, how do you feel about your videos? You've been doing uh, YouTube videos now for, you know, a number, I think since, I don't know how to, like four, five months at this point. And how, yeah. yeah, how do you feel about your first few videos versus the new videos right now? I, oh, I think man. all of them are great. It's like, um, I, I actually like, we started planning in May mm-hmm. and then um, we started, we launched in September. But like leading up to May, I think we filmed like five, maybe like five to 10 videos, like from from May to September and wow. we didn't publish the first three. I think we scrapped like the th- like first three times we filmed because I just wasn't happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first, so like it just took a lot of while to like figure out the format and, you know, kind of the flow of things. And um, so you can see a remnant of that in 
mapo tofu. The format is a little different from from the video videos now. That mapo tofu is the very first episode we we published, and I think I'm still like happy with it, but like definitely, mm-hmm. I'm sure looking back, even now, like I'll cringe at some things. Like like I pick at like the lighting or like the sound or like I messed up that camera angle or like. Um, yeah, I think for sure, you know, I think it's it's definitely like a battle of like being a perfectionist, but also like just sticking to a deadline because I think I could spend forever perfecting it. But but I I like committed like in May, I committed to when we launched in September, I'm not going to miss mm-hmm. a single Tuesday of publishing. I think that's so important. I think like mm-hmm. Like the number one determinant, I feel like for a blog or YouTube channel or for a lot of businesses actually, but like, mm-hmm. especially for content driven businesses, it's like, you just have to show up regularly. Mm-hmm. Like, I think not, I can't say this for all of our subscribers, but like, I think there's a snippet, there's a section of our subscribers that like look forward to Tuesday, like 10 to 12 PM mm-hmm. where we're just going to publish something. And yeah. I, I I, I'm proud of not missing that that slot. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's really important. I think so. I think we underestimate uh, the, not just the power, but also the level of interest uh, our subscribers have. Because I know that you feel yeah. you are a new channel. Uh, you know, mine started actually so funny, September 2019, almost exactly a year before oh, yours. Oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. The crazy thing is that I consider myself very lucky because of the, I mean, pandemic and luck shouldn't be even put in the same sentence, but we've all seen tremendous growth of uh, online digital content in general and how people are now consuming content behavior-wise very differently than they were before. And so for me, I definitely saw a trend of uh, someone like myself explaining technology in a very non-intimidating way helping people build their businesses uh, online. And my channel started to gain traction right around March, 2010. And within a month of that time, we went from 300 subscribers to 1,000 subscribers. And we had the watch hours way before we had the subscriber count. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, so that was really, really- That's fast. Yeah. So did you, uh, so when you started the channel did you, in September, you're like, I damn, I finally hit publish. Now, are you thinking I must- my channel must grow rapidly. I must hit a thousand, ten thousand. What was the sort of the goal or the vision you have for your channel? Or did that really matter at all? Did you have something like, I'm gonna continue no matter what? I think it's funny because like every year, like my wife and I do like a annual retreat where we just map out goals for our lives and mm-hmm. Um, we started doing quarterly ones too, but basically every quarter or every year we set like these big audacious goals. And like, actually for YouTube, I didn't have one when we launched. I was like, mm-hmm. cause I, I talked to a handful of YouTubers. I like read articles on like how long it takes to monetize mm. and it takes a long time. It's like, <laughs> it can take like many months, years, even for channels to do that. So exactly. I just had like no expectation. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, our channel has grown. I think, it, I think it's just great because like it's blown past all my expectations for 
what I thought it would be by now. Mm. And every day I just appreciate like the new subscribers that we get. Um, how, how many yeah. guys, but, how many are you getting every day? You, you guys are getting a lot. I mean, you already surpassed me like many, many <laughs> years ago. I, I'm still proud of like yeah, 11,800 people. And yours is like uh, four, 14,000 uh, as of, you know, a month ago. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we like got, like we got pretty fortunate. So right now we get probably like, a hundred a day. Okay. That's about, yeah. Those are my high days. I remember that. Um, so like Tuesday is like our peak where we get like maybe 170 right now. And then like on, by like Monday, we get like 70 or something, which is still great. I'm like very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we started, I think like I actually wrote down in my, sheet of goals like I just I'm going to spend as much time or energy at least promoting this as I do creating it because like that's just as important so I try not to like be spammy about it but like I I post my recipe in a lot of places so like probably like 30 to 40 relevant Facebook groups like four subreddits um and so I think because of that and because of like the, the, the layers that we have that elevate it beyond just a recipe blog or channel, like I think people resonate with like people in all those groups, be it like Asian Americans or Cantonese parents or people from Toysan or um, people who are just interested in Asian cooking. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like really active groups out there that want the type of content that we're making. And then, yeah. So we actually, I think in September, I was just ecstatic because we passed a thousand subscribers and that like within like three or four weeks. And then, so that was like, yes, we're able to, we're we're like half eligible for monetization. How long? And then what uh, about watch hours? How long did it take? So by then we were like way behind. I think we had like, I think we only had like a thousand watch hours at that point. Oh yeah. Uh, Those are hard to accumulate. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Especially we had like four videos by that point. So it just, yeah, it just took a lot of time. Um, But then we got pretty fortunate with, um, I think like because we were promoting in so many places, like we connected with a lot of people. Um, so I connected with in October mm. this channel called Channel or Chinese Cooking Demystified, which is one of the biggest Chinese food YouTube channels out there. Wow! Um, and they just liked our stuff, and then they like. I think by that by the time we connected with them, we had like twenty five hundred subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like mid to late October, and then. Like I chatted with Chris and Steph who are super nice people. And like, I, I didn't think anything of it, but I was just like, oh, this is so cool. Like I'm talking to the, these huge YouTubers that, you know, and they're, they like, like our stuff. So then I woke up the next morning and then I like, my eyes like, like I just like, couldn't speak because we had, we went from like 2,500 
to 3,500 like within the span of like eight hours. So I woke up and I was like, where is this coming from? Um, and then they, they had posted about us in like a community post. Oh, wow. Like, not even a shout out, not even a collaboration in the video. It was them posting in their group somewhere, maybe Facebook group or something like that. Yeah, just on YouTube. So like their YouTube, like you can do like written posts. Oh, community uh, posts. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And they had written this long thing. And then we were one of the three channels they recommended. And like instantly, like that week, we got yeah. to like 7,500 subscribers. Wow. So look, look at that. Insane. Yeah. But yeah. Th- I think that's uh, a, there's a key takeaway there. And by the way, guys, if you have questions, I realize there are a couple of questions that came in. Uh, definitely send it along. I think there's something not quite working with my uh, live streaming service because I don't see us live on LinkedIn, but I'll be sure to post this video once again when we're done. Uh, the easiest way is to actually find this conversation on YouTube, by the way, on the Face World Media. My name is in the window wherever you're watching me. And because this is a live video, there's there's a chat window where you can drop your questions there. I just want to give that a shout out. Um, you know, so with that said, there's one key takeaway, guys. It's like sometimes there's that one thing you do, but it cannot be the only thing. It's one of many, many yeah. things, time and effort you spend, things that you just send into the ether, you're never going to hear back or yeah. get back. Right? But there's one thing, one creator, someone decided to talk about you. And that person could be the company, which is YouTube, to make your video into a recommended video, a suggested video. That's how I saw tremendous views towards my all my top videos. YouTube decided it's a good video. You put it in front of people. Um, all of a sudden, it's over 200,000 views. So there's nothing, yeah. no group I can promote uh, this video to reach 200,000 people. But in Randy's case, you know, uh, a huge a really, really big uh, YouTube creator slash channel announced, basically just mentioned you. And that yeah. that is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just, it's just like, I, I think I was very nervous at first about like publishing in a lot of these groups because there's so much good content out there that like, does mine hold up to this? Like, mm-hmm. like I compare myself a lot and I, it's, not healthy, but um, I just can't help it sometimes. But yeah. but yeah, I think it just as a result of that, you know, we got um, we got that shout out. We in December we blew past ten thousand subscribers because mm. by by that point we were like organically gaining yeah. more and more subscribers and more views. Um, I think we crossed the monetization threshold for watch hours. In actually on my birthday, so November fifteenth. Wow! When so when that, was that? October, November. Uh, November fifteenth. Oh yeah. wow! So two and a half months in, which I was like just mind blown. I thought it would take a mm. very very long time to get those watch hours, but oh um, man, this is so exciting! Yeah. So I'm gonna respect people who are watching right now. I'm gonna get to their question first of all. Thank you, Min. Uh, Lou for Min Lou for submitting your question, and then I'm gonna get to Jay. Uh, I'm not gonna mispronounce your name. I'm gonna get to Jay's questions next. So uh, first, uh, Min asks, "What tactics can what what tactics can you share about tastefully promoting your content on Facebook groups and communities without coming off as self-promoting?" I have so much to say about this, but please, Randy, go ahead. Oh yeah, <laughs> great question. Um, yeah, I think. 
you just have to, it really depends on the group. Like, and for Facebook specifically, like, I think if you're in Asian food, um, there's two really, really active groups, subtle Asian cooking and subtle Asian eats. Um, and then from there, it's just like, you, you have to have good photography or videography. Um, like it has to catch the eye. And then I think from there, there's certain things that I've been testing out. Like what exactly do you include in your post? Usually it's like just the whole recipe. You have to, you have to include the whole recipe in those groups anyway. But like, mm-hmm. I, think, I think everything you post should be a complete nugget of information. Like I don't usually post teasers because that person, if they like your stuff, they're going to watch it anyway. So like I try to avoid posting teasers like, oh, check out, like I do include links to my stuff, but like I, they can just consume the whole thing there. Mm. Um, Not hiding information. Opt in to learn more. Yeah. Okay. Right. I do include like highlights from our videos just to like indicate like, oh, there's interesting stuff here that you could learn. Mm. Um, Sometimes I'll post the whole video in certain groups. Um, But I think, yeah, so like I found that video galleries do pretty well. So like like have a combination of multiple videos and photos in your posts. Um, Have like rich text formatting. So like don't just post in plain text. In Facebook groups, you can post, you can like use headers and lists and bolds and mm-hmm. um, that's really important. You want to make sure that like if someone's scanning it, they can easily read it. And then um, I think I try to include like my call to actions like towards the top, like mm-hmm. check out this link to view more. Um, I found that one thing you should not do is post, just post your link mm-hmm. and let that be the the block of media that Facebook previews you post with. Like right. Facebook does not like native YouTube links. So mm-hmm. it's better to use their native images and videos. Right. Right. Because people are more immersed by that. And then like you want, you want to get the engagement first. So if you get enough engagement, then people are going to click, then people are going to click on that, whatever video or blog post you're promoting. I think like, an important thing, if you're starting out, I'm still starting out, but like, like YouTube's not creating the impressions for you. So you really have to create as many impressions as you can on your own. And it's all a numbers game. So like, so like, if you get hundreds of thousands of impressions, you'll get like 5% of those people will click on your video. And then... Yeah. It's a numbers you know, game for like, sure. And can I add to what you just said, Randy, in terms of posting... Yes. As well, that uh, I think what Min is also maybe wondering, how do you uh, not get slammed by the moderator of the group and to say that you're too self-promotional? There are a couple of things I, I realize we could do, which is, especially when we post in groups that we don't own, like we, we didn't start, uh, that it's important to offer as much value as possible. I notice that you can engage within comments. So instead of saying, New videos out. It's great video. You should definitely check it out. Uh, maybe try to engage with people at the comments level, trying to help them solve certain things. Uh, filmmakers or content creators tend to have yeah. a lot of questions, like the question you just asked. So 
engage with them that way. So they get to know you as a creator. Another way I notice, if you want to create or post your own original content, i.e. your video, you can actually ask a question as well, especially if you're a creator who are not sure about whether this piece of content is good or no good. I mean, you got to be a little careful when you ask that question because people want to know the type of feedback you're asking for. Is it the general content? Is it the flow of the content? Is it the thumbnail? Um, Is it the lighting? So you don't want people to bombard you with the feedback you're not exactly seeking for. Um, Whenever you ask a question, you got to kind of adjust yourself mentally, right? You you put yourself in a certain situation you may get all kinds of feedback. But whenever you do ask for feedback, ask questions and ask people to be of contribution, the engagement goes up. Uh, You know, also in general, I'm not sure if you saw this, Randy, whenever you ask a question, I notice that you do sometimes, you ask a question before your long post, like, hey, what do you, you know, what do you guys think think of these, uh, this title? Uh, What do you think I should produce next? And people are really kind of jumping in, trying to help you. And that's how your engagement goes up as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think those are really great points. I think, I think also like you know, if you if there's a particular community that you really enjoy being a part of, I think like just engaging as an authentic community member helps too. And I like I've met a lot of creators like you and you know other food bloggers and YouTubers. And now it's just like we support each other mm-hmm. in those groups. It's like oh, I see a post from them, or just like. Yeah, you just you're just connecting as a human. Like you know, I like I like seeing what you're posting and supporting you and um yeah. or like yeah, I think life, it's like right? asking each other questions, yeah. kind of learning from each yeah. other live and, and and sharing the lessons that we've learned. Because I don't think it matters if you have three subscribers, if you have three million subscribers. There's so right. many lessons you learn along the way. And for us to talk about this openly, right? We we talked, we just talked about CPM right before um the start of this recording. And we can be completely honest with each other. There is no such thing, in my opinion, that, oh, I'm so ahead of you. I make more money. Therefore, that makes me more successful. Yeah. Nothing yeah. like that in the creator's world, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's very supportive. Like, I actually, I remember thinking, like, when we started, like, all, oh, man, these guys are, like, creating a recipe that I've done, like, I have to crush the competition, you know, but like I've actually met some of them, like Chinese cooking demystified. And they're super nice. I think everyone's just generally really friendly. I haven't met anyone that would prove otherwise, but I think everyone's like like willing to be a friend, you know, if you if you connect in the right way. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. And and so uh I have a second question from Jay. Would you ever cross over into other mediums? What are your hmm. thoughts? I guess, oh, I can, we can interpret this question in many different ways. I, I, <laughs> yeah. right, I, as I was thinking, like, the, the beginning before I read it fully, I was thinking, will you kind of cross over to other genre or types of videos, you know, from cooking shows into vlogs or whatever? And then now I'm reading it, I was thinking, oh, I actually could mean other things, like actual mediums, like into, could be different platforms like TikTok, like Something else. So what's your take, your choice of which answer, which question uh, you want to address? Yes. Yes to all of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot to explore. Like, for sure, one thing we want to do is just to have, like, a, a beautiful, like, beautiful typography, photo- like, photography in a book. 
it would just be like a nice family heirloom. And then, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely on like the horizon. I think, um, we've experimented with like short form stuff like TikTok and by experiment, we have, we've done like one video, but, mm-hmm. um, it didn't do that well, but I think it's definitely something there. I think like I've just, it's just an, another authentic platform or so true. way to digest media. It's just hard for us because our videos are usually like 15 to 20 minutes long. So how do I, it's just a game of subtraction in, in order to like get a TikTok video out that's like 30 to 60 seconds. So I was wondering about that, right? Like onto TikTok, um, for those of you who are watching in case you're interested, there are like two authentic platforms left, LinkedIn and TikTok. And LinkedIn has just changed the algorithm on videos. I don't know what's going on there. If you do know, please leave me a comment. But TikTok is the only platform left where it sends your content, your video to 150 people always. And based on their engagement, it decides whether it opens up the funnel or close it down. Um, It also has a lot to do with where you're posting. I'm learning this from my producer, Herman, (laughs) which is if you have a piece of content really tailored to San Francisco or the United States and you have your VA posting in Sweden or Argentina, it's actually, it's going to hurt your content unless we're experimenting with VAs, yeah, using VPNs. Yeah. Please using VPNs. Uh, because it's very common for content creators to work with people overseas and you're from a different location. Yeah. I just never realized that that has something to do with uh, where you're posting. Interesting. Yeah. So with that said, Rainy, I was thinking like a couple of formats that can work so well with food blogging and videos are, you know, what, you know, can you... Can you condense the videos down to 60 seconds, the beginning, uh, middle, and end, where you kind of reveals the quick uh, flow or like touch points of the videos and to yeah. show people something like that? Um, yeah, I think I think it's definitely something we want to do. It's just like, I think right now I'm just like, how do I do anything other than publish one video in a blog? It's so, like, so exhausting. Yeah, because it's it's like, it's a lot of work. It's like, I I do want to do it. It's just like, there's a lot of things I want to do as well <laughs> outside of that. So it's just like kind of picking and choosing um, what we focus on. So yeah, but I think there's so much potential there. And I think, you know, I think our content would do pretty well there. Just need to find time to do it. Yeah, and a big shout out to your wife. Uh, some some people may not know this, but you know, Cat, right? Uh, who's yeah, very supportive um, of your work. You know, she does Instagram. I believe that's what you said. It's beautiful yeah. Instagram account. Uh, Instagram. Any of these platforms could easily turn into a full time job. I've been there, done yeah. that. And I agree with you. So right now, for example, for my channel, the frequency is about twice a week. I try very, very hard to stick to a schedule, meaning the same time, same same day of the week. Honestly, I sometimes I really fall off that schedule because a lot of what I do, I feel like it's so time sensitive. Maybe it's not all that sensitive. It's like self-implied. Uh, but uh, it just feels like when, when new piece of software come out, when a new feature comes out, I want to be the first one to talk about yeah. it. Because as you know, Randy, like the YouTube channels, like everybody's on the new thing. So I have my new thing content and I have a lot of the evergreen content. Um, yeah. so it, it's, it's a tough call sometimes. Um, yeah. I mean, how do you, uh, I feel like your content is so evergreen. 
And it's like the dishes yeah. doesn't matter. Sure, there's some winter dishes, but like those dishes to me, very close to my heart, uh, I feel like I make any of them any any day of the any day of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like that was kind of my take on it. Like I wanted, I mean, I think a lot of food is evergreen by nature, but like there are some like trendy foods and like for sure like TikTok trends on food. Right. Um, but I think. Food. <laughs> it's so true. Um, there are definitely trendy food. Yeah. So I think like like a long time ago I read um like four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. And that like I just I, I for the longest time I wanted to like have some aspect of that in my life. And um we did with like one of our previous businesses. But I think for I think what's cool about YouTube is like if you create evergreen content on a blog or on YouTube and you get it to rank, it's like that video will continue to produce income for you forever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think that's what's on the business side. That's what's exciting about like what we're building is because like, you know, this not only will this continue to like be educational for generations to come, but like it'll also help provide income for our family for generations to come. So for sure. That's yeah. Um, you know, speaking of income, uh, one area, I think that's how you found me is I, I think a couple of months ago, I started sharing analytics from a YouTube channel. I open openly talked about, uh, you know, how to, how much I made in 2020, how to understand yeah. the most popular video and all that. So you know, I'm very into that topic. What are some of the things you guys are thinking about in re, you know, in relations to Made with Lao? What are some of the more passive incomes you're witnessing? Um, and also now you have sponsor content. We're not going to talk about sponsor revenue or even mention names or anything like that. But give us an, um, kind of a crash course on what you've learned in the past couple of months. Ooh, uh, it's all very new to me. <laughs> uh, we've been monetized for like two months now. Um, it was actually, so our income streams are our YouTube ad revenue, which is our biggest one. And then we have um, our Amazon affiliates, which is tied with our blog revenue. So mm-hmm. uh, blog, we just turned Google AdSense on. And then, yeah, so... Those are the three income sources right now. And then we're like starting to engage with sponsors, mm-hmm. which um, which we're excited about. But I think, yeah, from, from that perspective, it's actually, I don't know. I think it's just like, it's just interesting to see, you know, like what videos generate what sort of income and like just seeing ad rates fluctuate. It's, it's definitely like, it's definitely not always linear. Like you, you think that one video will do well, or you think that your income will grow. I mean, I have such a limited time frame of income to look at. But I even watching your income report, like your your income fluctuated over the year. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just, I think it's just like for me, I think it's just the biggest game I have mentally with myself is like just being okay with ebbs and flows and not expecting everything to be right. like a linear increase every yeah. single week or month. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's such a good observation. YouTube revenue streams do, you know, especially YouTube ads fluctuate all the time. And there's so many elements, uh, CPMs related to how much you get paid per thousand views. Um, but a lot of that also has to do with, you know, watch time, how long people stay on your channel and how much uh, advertisers are willing to pay. And so, for example, I saw a dip in the number of views during between Christmas and New Year. So there were half as many views on my videos, hmm. um, but the CPM more or less stayed. So the revenue kind of decreased. I have thought, oh, my channel is over. And as soon as like January 4th or the 6th hit, uh, we went back up again. So that was really, really encouraging. But I want to go back to one of the things you said, uh, Randy, in regards to working with sponsors. You said approaching sponsors. So do you mean you are actively approaching sponsors uh, versus sponsors reaching out to you directly because now you're making a name uh, here on YouTube or both? Tell us more about that. Yeah. Um, so I, I wish I had more and maybe in a future conversation, we'll have more to share about this. But like, I think so far my F, my, my efforts in that regard are not successful in a financial standpoint, at least, but like, um, and I think, so we, we had opportunities to work with two brands that are fairly well known. Um, and I, I like really value my time and my worth. And I think I negotiated a little too high. <laughs> so basically they said, um, we'll work with you later, basically. Um, so yeah. So one, one brand reached out to us like last week, actually, and I was super excited to work with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I, I don't really have a, any awareness as to like what industry rates are, but I think, um, I was like, I, this is what I think our video is worth. And they're like, well, we can't pay that. And they're like, well, what about this? And they're like, well, this is our budget. And I was like, that all right, still. I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then by the time I said, all right, I'll do it. Like they had already picked their cast for the campaign. So um, yeah, so that was kind of a bummer. But I think like, you know, that I'm proud of negotiating and like not, taking pennies for something that's worth a lot more than that. But, um, but it is like, it was kind of a bummer. It was like, dang. Yeah. Ah, it's a bit of that. a lottery, right? It's a yeah. bit of a lottery for people who just started monetizing. And I think it's a very encouraging conversation because now they're learning that they too might be approached by sponsors. So a couple of ways to go about it, if I can share kind of what I have learned if I'm using, I'm using a ton of software for my business and I use a set of specific types of software for uh, YouTube, for live streaming. So especially if I find how much I love the software, that is an incentive for me to proactively reach out to the brand. And what I mean by that is yeah. I'll go to their website 
and I get in touch with maybe the right person. I try very hard not to send a info at xyz.com. Yeah. Nobody's reading those, um, you know, inboxes or whatever. So I try to get into a real person. I try to find what's called an influencer program. So no matter how small you are as a YouTuber, you are now an influencer, uh, whether you like it or not. <laughs> that word is so overused. So uh, also, alternatively, Twitter is a really good place. Twitter, as well as Facebook page and groups, are closely monitored, especially by some of the bigger brands. They will help you route your message to the right department. So that's one way. I try to be proactive. I want to be even more proactive. So what I do, maybe I just get my numbers and my my weekly to-dos out there is um, I try to set 30 minutes every week and I say I contact five sponsors that I really like. And if that week I don't feel inspired and I don't want to just work with sponsors, I don't email anybody. Because the last thing I want to do is email some sort of lighting company and I, I have no interest in using their lights, you know. Yeah. So you got to be a little careful. Um, but these days I'm very lucky to have been uh, approached by brands where I can evaluate and say, wow, this this is really good. When they approach you, a lot of the times, as of right now, I've had my channel for a little while, they have a good understanding of who I am and what I do. So most of those are really high quality leads for me. I've never uh, received something like, oh, you know, we're coming from this plumber company because you're a plumber YouTube channel, because we're not. Um, and go from there, I also ask about their budget. Uh, and there, I'm not sure how you feel about this, Randy. There seems to be a way they're using some sort of software where they have some experience to understand based on your subscriber count, your watch time. Yeah. This, the data is public, guys. Go to socialblade.com. Social Blades or Blade? I forgot. You get Blade, eight, I think. Blade, right? Singular, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then they, they get all the watch time. They know how many people subscribe, how often they subscribe each month. So they guess the numbers all quite closely to how much they should be paying you. And when in doubt, sometimes I, I take a, there are a couple of times I said, uh, okay, I think I should charge X. And then instead I said, let me just be quiet and see what they say. And sometimes they come back with twice the amount of money. So you got to be, yeah. the more people you talk to, uh, the better off you will be. So those are my findings. That is great advice. <laughs> so you reach out to five sponsors a week for- like I think weeks? I'm more like five sponsors a month, to be honest. Uh, I, I should do it more frequently. Uh, that Even though that was a goal, I, I feel like sometimes I, we set goals for ourselves because out of every sure. right, 10, 20 sponsors, you might never hear back from anybody right? and you wait. But for me, I set the goal without realizing that um, maybe I don't want to work with that many people. When you get a... When you get a sponsor, that sponsor is sponsoring a single video. A video is a lot of work. So if I get too many sponsors, yeah. I essentially have no place to put them right now. I I currently work yeah. with right. I currently work with three sponsors, um, but one of them is on a retainer, so they buy more than one video a month. And there are also previous sponsors who are no, I'm no longer working with. So you know, speaking of ebb and flow, yeah, with yeah. the revenue as well as with the number of sponsors, yeah. I think for like, I think for me, I'm, I'm just starting to think about reaching out to sponsors. So this is really great advice, but also it's like for, like for my channel, I, I feel like my dad, he's very steeped in the ways that he has done things. So I try to be I feel like it's like a fine line because like yeah. if I'm interested, if I'm having him use a brand that 
you would not use otherwise. It's like, how do I address that? So I kind of, I don't know. It's like, it's just like, just like this fine line of like defending your brand and Mm -hmm. not selling out. But like, I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe it's an insecurity. Like, will, will your audience call you out for that? Or, I mean, I haven't, we don't have a sponsored product yet, so I don't know what the reaction is, but, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's just something I think about as we approach, as we navigate this new era of like being approached by sponsors and approaching others. Yeah, I mean, you're also working with your dad and essentially working with your family. There are a lot of members involved. Yeah. Uh, I know behind the scenes, you know, on and off screen, but it's definitely, it's more complex when you work with a partner and sometimes people argue that it's more complex when you work with a family member on top of that. And yeah. in your case- <laughs> You know, your dad, not your son. Yeah. Now you're not somebody at the same level or, or next generation to you. So you definitely have to respect their opinion, especially your dad is like the star of uh, your yeah. channel. <laughs> so I don't know. I want to like throw random advice out there, but I almost feel like for you, there's there's a bigger there's a bigger array of brands you could potentially go back to by looking at the packages of whatever, you know. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah noodle soup, like broth, all these things. And whereas um, for me, like there's a challenge, there's a, com, uh, you know, there's a kind of a, not rivalry, but there are also things that I'm using for this, for X that I can really use another brand for. I almost, it's, a, yeah. it's not really, you know, like it, it would be a, of competition. So something like that, I got to be careful with, but I don't, there's so many yeah. ingredients in cooking. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually I've I've been eyeing a few ingredient brands that like we could potentially do sponsorships with, and like that could literally be like every week because we we use some of those ingredients like mm-hmm. every single time we cook. So, mm. um, one thing I love about it is your media kit, which I will include. I ran out of character counts talking about your story <laughs> and then everything. I have to go back. You guys have to come back wherever you're watching those. I'll add to uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube descriptions. But uh, Randy or Made with Lao has like the most fantastic media kit I've ever, ever seen. Made me so embarrassed by my one page, faceworld.com for slash sponsorship. I just got screenshots literally from YouTube. That's it. But Randy's uh, media kit is top notch. It's like, like a Nike's media kit where, you know, well, <laughs> you know, it's you want to talk about that. You actually want to take a look at the example because the graphics are gorgeous, but also the numbers really matter. And not only uh, made with Lao's number, but like you know, industry average on the right hand side. You want to show them the numbers so the sponsors will pick it up to say, "Wow, look at this media kit! I know the type of quality video I'm gonna get just by looking at the media kit." Like, imagine how unbelievable the the videos are themselves gonna be. So. Good job there, really. Thank you. Yeah. Very impressive. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we, we, I, I feel like I just, I just wanted to like, I think the, I made it for like a, one of our pitches to a brand and I just wanted to like wow them so much. I don't know that it did, but, um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm proud of how it looks at least. But yeah, I I just wanted a, a way to capture like, you know, we are a new channel and we are new, like we don't have like the numbers yet of some mega influencers, but like we are growing mm-hmm. extremely fast. So that that was kind of the main 
goal I wanted to impress upon the sponsors I was engaging with is just like, we are small, but very mighty, you know? Yeah. Small, but mighty. Like for sure. Like within, within like half a year, a year's time, we're going to be much bigger than we are now. So work with us now. Yeah. It is much cheaper to work with us now. Exactly. Because now if they work with, that's something I didn't even think about. If they work with you now, the videos will just say permanent or semi-permanent, whatever, right? And it's yeah. there on YouTube. And it's going to continue to to accumulate views and, and traction. And so imagine if they pay you X amount of dollars now, the video, let's hope, fingers crossed, will be popular a year from now. But a year from now, you won't be charging the same amount. You'll be charging 10 times right, the yeah. amount of what you do yeah. now. The game changes yeah. rapidly. Yeah, it really is exponential. Like once you start, like once you start like digging into like, like having YouTube help recommend you and, you know, like it just, it just snowballs. And I, I think it like, that's what's exciting about it. So I just wanted to like capture that in our media kits. Like, you know, we are snowballing really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's like too many metrics and overwhelming in that sense, but like, I just wanted to also just for me to like, look back and be like, wow, we, we, we're doing this. We're, you know, yeah, it's like a I, celebration every time I make it or update it. That's such a great idea that if you're if you guys are creating on YouTube and you haven't taken any screenshots of where you are right now, you know, whatever because YouTube comes with a lot of built-in analytics, take screenshots and those are really interesting even though YouTube does show you the historical stuff, but there's something about the now portion of it. Yeah. Don't get back, right? Uh, just yeah. that view. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. Like my mom, <laughs> she does a lot behind the scenes and she like kind of glues, like my dad's kind of impatient sometimes. so She kind of reins him in. But um, initially, I don't know if she still does this, but like at least for the first month or two, like every time I saw her, she'd like know what our subscriber count was at. <laughs> she, would, like, she would like write it down every morning, even though she had access to the analytics app. She just wrote it down. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My mom does the same thing. Just, my mom knows my current subscriber <laughs> count. I don't. Go mom. That's that's hilarious. That's yeah. I mean, they're, they're really invested. That's great. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think she. Yeah, she had that intuition too. It's just like you know, like you want to remember these things, and celebrate where you're at. Intuition and the women. Turns out the women in the family actually run the channel. So until, <laughs> yeah. when you have a, when you, Randy, if you have a daughter one day and, uh, you know, I'm sure she will be joining the force and then be like a star yeah, of the channel. So. That would be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that we're, if you have uh, some, a few extra minutes, I realize I haven't really gone into the culture part, but I have to say, uh, I want, want you to, do you have, do you have a hard stop at four o'clock? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just a few more minutes because I have to say that when I watch your parents shop at Costco's or something and they go shopping together, they talk about how to pick out the, the better fish. and the, It was just so touching. I've been in this country for 20 years and those are the moments where I only see if I go to Chinatown, if I go back to China. But it just, I don't know how to describe it, man. It's just so sweet. And then to watch them so in sync. They're in such a loving, loving relationship after so many years, I'm sure, raising you guys. I was so touched that because I, I thought I was like, man, my parents really weren't like that. <laughs> like 
fighting. <laughs> <laughs> they never went grocery shopping together because they would be fighting. Um, but your parents are just like so cute, so perfect for each yeah. other. They really are. I mean, my dad is like, he's like I said, he's kind of like, he kind of has a temper and he's impatient, but he like, they love each other. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, yeah, I think like part of, part of what I want to capture in our videos is like just those idiosyncrasies of my parents' relationship and how they interact with each other, with us, with our their grandson. I actually read, um, I don't remember who was saying it. I think it was like some ABC writer giving advice on how to document someone's life. And she was basically, she's, I can't, I'm like blanking on the name, but she was a very famous anchor. That's Um, okay. Yeah. um, But basically she was like, you should try to capture all the idiosyncrasies. And like, if you, I didn't know what that word meant until very recently, but it basically means like, you know, um, just all the quirks that make someone unique. And Mm -hmm. so I, I really like those moments that I capture on camera are like gold because I think it just, it just defines who my parents are and like a very human level. And just capturing those interactions is like, I think as important as the recipe or their cultural traditions, because it's just like, that's who they are. And like, you know, to see that like play out on video is like, oh, you kind of get to know who they are. Mm. Um, So I think that's like part of what drives our engagement um, is because like, because of moments like that, it's like you get to sit down with us and eat with them and um, you get to see them being like bickering at each other or like, being annoying for a, a store clerk or like, you know, like, um, yeah. So I think like that level of personality and idiosyncrasy helps like connect viewers with what we're sharing. Yeah. And like the people, like, like us, essentially the family behind the, behind the YouTube channel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for this is a great editing advice and observation wise, but also when you're sitting in front of Final Cut Pro, wherever, whatever you use for editing, and that uh, definitely don't underestimate the personality and the flaws or the imperfections that are part yeah. of your videos. And I, I still remember this young woman, she must have been uh, 16, 17 years old talking about YouTube growth and you know, she, she was tired. She's like, oh, I'm really tired. I'm wearing my pajamas, but it's time to record a video. I was like, oh, I can relate. Because most of the time, I definitely don't look the way I wanted to look before I have to turn on the camera. And halfway through her talking, her phone was clearly leaning on a book and just go, like, literally just popped in front of her. And you see the ceiling. And then you see, like, she was in, like, this little, like, little girl or whatever. And it's all the cosmic whatever, like, stars on her ceiling. Yeah, She's yeah. so embarrassed. She's like, oh. You know, put it, and she didn't take that part out, and that still to this day is like what I thought it was so real about that video. Yeah, um, about growth, about and then all, all the imperfections, and that, those actually makes your video really stand out. Um, but I, I, I think you're, the fact also that your dad speaks Cantonese, um, and you didn't make them speak English necessarily, so they're in their comfort zone. They're cutting, slicing, yeah. and. 
they're just talking to the camera. Was that intentional for them to stick to the Chinese language? Yeah, actually, that was like, I, it took me a long time to kind of wrap my head around like what languages we were going to present in. So like mm-hmm. the first few videos um, actually had me and my mom up there with my dad talking. Yeah. And it was just like, I thought it would be helpful to have my mom explaining English and then my dad explaining Chinese. Uh. Um, so I was like, okay, that'll work. But then when I was editing it and, and during the whole filming, it was like, it just didn't flow. And my dad had to like wait for my mom to like <laughs> move on to things. And like, you can't wait that long because you're going to overcook something. All right. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So I, we very quickly scrapped that, but I think like, uh, yeah. So I think just, just like kind of discovering it in the process of editing it. It was right. like, all right, we should just do Cantonese. Um, and which entails like a lot of, hours of subtitling but right. I think it's um, I think it's worth it because I think it's I think there's an element of like cultural preservation that I want to mm. celebrate because I think Cantonese in some places is, is a dying language um, mm. so as much as we can like I want like I want to learn more Cantonese because mine like that my I would equate it to like a kindergartner's level of Cantonese. Not so, really. I should learn too. I'm half Cantonese and I don't speak any. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I think like for me it's just like learning Cantonese and then I think just I thought a lot about the languages and how we present them. Mm. Like I could just have English subtitles, but then I feel like my dad wouldn't understand what I'm saying. Mm. And like, I think that's a missed opportunity to kind of, like, preserve that language if we don't have Chinese subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of, like, the creative decisions are driven by, like, my family. Because, like, I, like, it takes me a long, long, long time to generate Chinese subtitles. But, like, if I don't, then my dad won't understand what we're saying in English, which is really important to me because we've had a language barrier mm. our whole lives, you know? So I think this is like, yeah, it's just like, I I just want this to be accessible for him, for everyone, for, and just to like have a resource of many layers for many years mm. to come. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just occurred to me um, one more thing, which is, <laughs> Uh, you know, your whole family, even including your mom, looking at the subscriber count. Now, I can just imagine your mom right now, like as we're talking, probably like refreshing F5 and like going to YouTube and uh, to check things out. Uh, did How long did it take or did you have to convince both of your parents who are clearly from a different generation about your endeavor, this family endeavor on YouTube? Or did you ever get any eyebrows to be like, what? <laughs> you know? Um... That's funny. Yeah. So they, they've been trying to convince me to like get a job at like a cushy tech firm, you know, for a long time. And I think they gave up years ago. They still (laughs) say it like, Oh, you should go work at Google and get health insurance. Um, Which some days that sounds pretty nice, you know, like, (laughs) Um, but I think 
when I approached them to do this YouTube channel, like they were, they were on board pretty quickly. Like I think, um, I kind of explained to my mom, like, you know, what numbers really big channels are pulling. And I was like, this is going to take years, but I think we can get there. Multi, multi um, six figures for those of you guys yes, who are watching. Yeah. <laughs> like even like blogs, just blogs, no YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like the top tier of blogs, they, they pull on like six figures of ad revenue every month, just yeah. passively. And those are harder. Uh, I think you, I don't know, maybe we should, we could get into a debate for like another hour, but I think YouTube's so much easier than blogging because there's so, so many more blogs out there. Yeah. Sorry. SEO is a lot harder on blog. Anyway, that's a whole yeah. rabbit hole, but um, <laughs> yeah. So I think like from a financial standpoint, which my parents obviously care about because it affects our well-being, but I think they were on board pretty quickly. And my dad, he was, he didn't really say much when I was like talking to him, but like two days later, he was like, all right, I defrost this in pork. Let's go film. <laughs> so I was like, dad, I'm not ready. Like I haven't planned anything out. Like, this is, this is so My mom would do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then like my, my wife, Kat was like, oh, we should just like, you know, we could, we could do it for fun or. Yeah. You know, we could just try it. And then immediately my mom, she's like, just dives head in. She's like, oh, and then we got to get like one of those portable burners so we can use our kitchen island to be better camera angle. Um, <laughs> yeah. She was just, yeah, she, she's very entrepreneurial. Um, yeah. So it was, I have their support, which is really nice. And I literally could not do without them. So I'm just grateful that they're as supportive as they are. <laughs> I think I just found my title, new title for this episode. Should be I just defrosted some pork. Let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the way to go because you're gonna. I just my mom cooks all. My mom lives with me. She cooks all day. I wake up like I just. My mom's like, "Are you awake?" I'm like, yes. It's first thing in the morning, and then within five seconds, like breakfast is ready. Come down. I'm like, you know, running like literally have to run downstairs. Um, but I noticed I tried it. There's some things that she cooks make me feel like it's part of my culture. I want to preserve this moment, my moment with her. And every time yeah. I do Instagram story, but except for she's not exactly like your dad. Whenever I try to do Instagram story, I notice something she's doing, chopping and all that. I said, yeah. oh, just be normal. Don't rush yourself. Don't cut any fingers off. And now is Instagram story. And I can just see she's so disoriented. She's like, and then you do, I'm like, why is she changing what she was doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she just like, and then food like flying everywhere. Um, but your dad's like very, very professional. Like his yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he's like, I think he's super confident about like literally everything he does. I think he, he's, he has no stage fright. Like the day <laughs> one of our first shoot, he, he just went. He didn't do. He didn't have to do a second take because oh. I think he he's like this is like what he knows. Like he could do this in his sleep. He literally handed me a restaurant menu, his old restaurant menu with like over two hundred things on it, and he's like, I can make all of these. Oh. So that's like content. That's like content for like eight years probably. Yeah. <laughs> if we wouldn't do the same thing. Um, right. And 
<clears throat> and then my mom, yeah, actually, like, I didn't prompt her. Like, I, I thought it'd be cute for her to do, like, all the outros. So most of our videos, she does the outros, like, asking people. Anyway, so, so cute. I didn't prompt her. And then she was like, make sure you subscribe and like our video. <laughs> like, what the heck? She I guess knows. she watches enough YouTube to know, you know, like she knows what a call to action is, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is so good. This is this is why we're laughing because this is why people are watching your channel. They're thinking about all the things they're not seeing, and it's behind the scenes conversations. And I mean, these are the I mean, these are forget about the YouTube channel. These are the moments that you as a family will forever cherish for. You yeah, hundred totally. years from now. So yeah, I think. I think that's like for me, like this this is like the best thing that's happened to my career, even though it wasn't like even though it's not like the startup, the big startup that I've always been coveting. Um I've never found something that fulfills me on a personal level. Like if you take away monetization, you take away like the growth, I think like just having these moments for our family is super important. And I think like I think people are resonating that with being able to see Cantonese being preserved on camera. Yeah. Um, but also too, it's like, I have experience. Like, I think it's just, it's just such a great inflection point for me because I, I have all that personal fulfillment and I yeah. can see the stars aligning where this becomes like a much bigger channel or a much bigger blog. So it's just like, I've never been more motivated because I think it's just like, it's just so aligned with what I want to do. And I think I can see, I can see, I can see the success that I've always been, you know, after. So and the it's success, just a matter of time, I think. Right. It touches my heart so much to uh, when I hear that, because, and for those of you guys who are watching, I mean, the beginning can be really hard. Uh, maybe Randy's success seems really easy on YouTube, but there's so much work that he put in yeah. before you even saw the first episode or first video. And to for, for me to hear that not only you see the success, I think it only gets sweeter from here. And I really hope you and your family continue and persevere through the hardships, if any, uh, comes your way. Because not only you get to see the success that could be monetary, great, that you can reinvest into hiring people, camera equipment, but you are with your family, the people you treasure the most. You get to spend time with your parents. Otherwise, you probably yeah. wouldn't. You know, if you work at a startup, forget about startup. Startup, you'll never get to see any of your family. Um, but yeah. at Google, then you're not there. You're you're doing all this with your family. I'm doing a lot of work with my mom right now. And she's so incredibly talented artist who painted all these paintings behind me. And Whoa. All what? All around. Yeah. These are That's huge awesome. portraits, like 70 inches long. Um, and wow. she's a, yeah, she's a forbidden city artist who retired and decided to, she moved uh, in with me and she's creating all of these things. She's a Guanyin. That's like a, insane. Yeah. Buddha art. It's all so good. Yeah. Yeah. Pure silk. That's my producer, Herman. That's our family's Good friend Jorge, who's wow. like helping me. and there's so many more, and epic. there's so many more. Exactly, we get to work with our, our parents, and and this is part of our heritage uh, and their story to be carried on. And man, this is so cool. This is so good. We got to we got to do this again because they're gonna be because uh, yeah, 
May with Lao is going to surpass 50,000, 100,000 uh, subscribers, I think, by June this year. So uh, sponsor their videos now if you're watching <laughs> the brand. Uh, seriously, because I, I better, yeah, I better reserve. Uh, oh, my God. There's another question that just came in. Uh, yeah, reserve this for our own legacy. It just, it's so cool. Yeah. I know you. What you mean by like that? I wake, I go to sleep happy. I wake up literally thinking about my YouTube channel. And nobody yeah. can replace that. It's not money, you know? Um, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's like, for me, it's like just having a creative focus that I can see impacting people. I think that's like my payment mm-hmm. <laughs> more than more than the money. I think, I mean, very excited about the money for sure. But like, but I think, um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's just like the fulfillment, you know, you just, you get to create, you get to be artistic, you get to document something that's important um, and share it with people that seem to be resonating with it. So it's just really great. Yeah. Yeah. You make all the decisions as opposed to working advertising, marketing, a, a piece of, you know, thumbnail art will get 1,200 revisions and never see the light of day. And now, yeah. whatever you put out there, people are following you. They're not following New York Times or whatever, right? They're following, literally yeah. following your channel and your parents. So we're going to, um, I think we're going to try to conclude this interview. There's one more question that came in. I'll, I'll um, ask you, Randy, what is something that you did that had a huge and positive impact in your life? What and with that? Like YouTube, <laughs> all of my life, or YouTube? Uh, yeah, anything that comes to mind in any any oh point God. of your life doesn't have to be the most impactful. Oh, how do I pick one? Um, okay, two things that come to mind. <clears throat> they happened within like a year of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the book. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm-hmm. which in the short term had a very depressing impact on my life because I just like freaked out about my life and like I didn't know what I wanted basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the second chapter in that book is begin with end in mind. And then it has you like plan out all the things or write out all the things you see yourself being at the end of your life. So I kind of, I did that and then I did that exercise for like that year of college. I was in college a senior. And then I realized everything I wrote, I didn't want for myself. So I like freaked out because I didn't know, like, I just felt like a cookie cutter. Like just, I regurgitated all these things that I thought I should want. So then I took like almost a year to kind of reflect um, on very fundamental things. Like why is family important? Why are friends important? I just wanted my own answer for those things. Mm -hmm. So that time of reflection was, um, very impactful. Okay, I guess I'll cheat and say three things. And then the second is kind of a softball, but when I met my wife, um, yeah, and that was like 10 years ago, wow. about our car ride. And I had written down, I'm like very into like journaling and doing visionary, like writing out my visions for my life. So <clears throat> I just had, I had just, ended a relationship I was cheated on. And then I was kind of just like reflecting a lot of like, who do I want Mm -hmm. as a partner? Mm -hmm. I wrote down this 
list of things that had like 50 adjectives on it. <laughs> and one of those things is like very idiosync- idiosyncratic. Like what, like I want a girl I can take to the library. And fast forward like nine months later, like my now wife, we were on a car ride as like a social activity, like going up from UCLA to San Francisco for the weekend. It was just us. And then we had this like amazing five-hour conversation, like driving down the highway on a road trip, essentially. Aww. We were talking about like everything. Mm-hmm. And um, from like religion, architecture, money, relationships, like we were already like very much attracted to each other at that point. But yeah. in that car ride, she's like, oh my God, have you been to the Santa Monica library? Oh, and I was like, <laughs> I'm the one. That, yeah, <laughs> basically that's that's what I thought. I was like, She's the one. Um, yeah. Then we've been together ever since. And then, oh. um, the third one I think would be when we quit our jobs and backpacked for five months through Asia. That was in 2013. Wow. Um, you quit so your jobs together. Of, both quit your jobs yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Cause she wow. was in, she was in software design. I was working at like a mobile app agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually really liked my job at the time, but I always knew that like, I like, I really liked my team. I liked what I was working on, but I kind of knew that based on my period of reflection in my quarter life crisis that I wanted to just start my own things and try my own stuff. Um, so when we quit, we traveled and had a lot of really interesting experiences. And we like meditated in silence for 10 days. And it was kind of like a spiritual trip. But um, on that trip, we kind of like launched our first businesses. And that funded a lot. Like what we did on that trip funded a lot of years of experience, of experimentation. So I think... Mm-hmm. From a career standpoint, that was probably the most impactful decision we made. Is just like alter, the, completely alter the course of our career and do our own thing. Mm. So yeah, mm. but there's something like you probably tr- only asked for one thing, but I gave you three. So sorry. Oh, no, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's wonderful. I'm so so grateful that you you know mentioned CAD as well because you know our partners are always so important in the things that we do. I mean, she's doing a lot. Let's just be clear, D- doing all the behind the scenes, like Instagram is huge, uh, on and off camera. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even sometimes if we're lucky, we find a partner who is just being supportive of the idea of it, even if they don't have to do anything by hand. Yeah, because that's, that's, not, that's not something to take for granted, you know? It's like you not can't. every partner wants, yeah. Yeah, they might want something completely opposite of what you want. And that yeah. can be really problematic. And you guys even get to start business businesses together. That is huge, right? And that's something yeah. not every couple could come close to imagining. So uh, that is really lovely. I'm so thrilled for the journey you're on. And I, I subscribed long, long time ago. And well, how, how long ago could it be? But as soon as I discovered your post and all that, you know, I subscribed and I really look forward to sharing more of these conversations and, and just monitor and see where you're going to go next. And if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. I'll do the same. And hopefully we'll, 
you know, keep um, uh, growing on YouTube and everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cheering you on as well. It's like just, it's just great to, to be on this podcast and to be even considered to be on. So yeah, I'm just really humbled and grateful to share. And uh, hopefully it was helpful and uh, relatable in some way. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll do many more of these (laughs) as we are. Yeah, as we keep crossing our thresholds. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Randy. And thanks everyone for watching. I'm going to take us offline now, but these videos will stay as videos. They will not come off uh, the platforms you're watching right now. So thank you again. This episode of the Face World podcast is brought to you by Face World LLC, our marketing service agency created for independent creators and businesses. We offer website development, video production, marketing mentorship to people who want to tell better stories, level up, and create a profitable brand. Face World podcast team, our chief editor and producer, Herman Ceballos, associate producer, Adam Leffert, social media and content manager, Rose DeLeon, transcript editor, Alina Ahmedova, and lastly, myself, the creator and host of Face World. Thank you so much for listening.